Hello and welcome to the New Model Advisor podcast. I'm Ollie Smith, online producer here at NMA, and this week I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Rohan Sivajoti, Director of Postcard Planning, and Adam Carolan, who's Managing Director of Zentum. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Uh, now, as their presence may suggest, we're here to talk about Next Gen, that is the next generation of financial planners and New Model Advisors. Um, great to have you here, guys. Uh, but first, it's time for a game of who's hot and who's not, which this week I will do in a quiz format. So, either of you chip in. Uh, which chief executive uh, found himself in hot water this week when he had a uh, an off-mic moment? Uh, it was the Sainsbury's geezer, wasn't it? What singing, happened? Singing, I'm in the money, you yeah, know, that, yeah. wasn't it, yeah. I have to say, I love that. It was absolutely it was, hilarious. It was quite funny, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and I, I know people won't enjoy that comment, but I just found it absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Should they have published it? There's a question for you. ITV. Yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, that's so unfair absolutely. To publish yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it showed the true personality, what he was thinking at yeah. that time. Yeah, I agree. Well, I would do, wouldn't I? Because I would back the journalists. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it ranks among other sort of famous hot mic moments, including, as we know, Ken Clark, Malcolm Rifkin, I think that was a couple of years ago on Theresa May. Uh, but of course, the famous Gordon Brown and Gillian Duffy moment, uh, where Gordon Brown declared in the back of a limo, on Mike, that Gillian Duffy, a voter in the Rochdale area, was a bigoted woman. Moving quickly on from that, I have some quick-fire questions which I'm hoping will stimulate some debate for my two guests. It's the next Gen 10. It was 10 questions, but NMA editor Will chipped in with at least four more, so <laughs> you do the maths. You can accuse me of giving one, one or, or both of you an easier ride uh, later on. Um, question one. To what extent is the next gen group different from its predecessors? And this is a question that Michelle Hoskin, Little Miss Wow, wanted to ask. You know, what got, what really makes you guys different? So, so define prede predecessors. Well, as in sort of previous generations of financial planners, the older the older lot. Well, I'm not aware of any group like ours. So, um, I'd look at predecessors and think, has anyone created a community of advisors? you know, whether young, old or different ages, that all share best practice, all get along, mm. all are positive. Mm. You know, I don't think we have any predecessors. I've not seen that previously in the, the profession. No, I mean, obviously the professional bodies have, you know, big groups of members, both young, old, etc. Um, but the members of those groups aren't encouraged to communicate with one, in, with one another. Mm. They're encouraged to sit through pitches from various companies that are sponsoring. Yeah. Um, and our community and what we've built at Next Gen Plan is, is, is all about everyone helping each other out. Um, okay. The Slack group that we have, the discussions that go on every day, what is it, it's well over nearly 20,000 messages yeah, now, aren't 20, we, and all that. And um, wow. it's, just, it's just a constant of people helping each other out and um, it, it just benefits everyone. Did you ever imagine that it would be as successful <laughs> as it's become? Absolutely not. Uh, Adam, Adam will tell you how it, how it started. Yeah, so it's, it's basically two, two mates sat in a pub. We've been sharing best practice for a while. Um, we currently have a, a can of ripes, red stripes lager next to us. Um, so we're keeping the spirit of next gen. Um, but we, we just basically sat in a pub in Wilmslow in Cheshire, you know, currently a bit frustrated about where the profession was going. And we just said, look, why don't we get a few more of us together? I think, mm. I think we initially targeted about 40 or 50. Yeah. And it's kind of grown exponentially. So I think we... You know, we're well over 200 members now, um, and you're kind of losing count of how many people join every week as well. So, wow. you know, we don't know, we didn't expect this, and it's, mm. it's, gonna be, it's kind of been a bit overwhelming. Yeah, it has. It's, it's mad, really, because we, we sort of sit here sometimes, and I always say to Adam, like, 
we're not experts. You know, we're not these we're not these go-to people like consultants or whatever. We're just facilitators. So we're just two people who've provided the community for people to do the work themselves. And that's exactly what it is. When, and I'd, one of our key things was used to turn up to events and have nothing in common with people in the room. But the other thing was we were fed up of being told what to do and people going, you should do it this way, you should do it that way. Okay. And our firm belief is that everyone has to pick their own path. Adam and I, for example, have massive differences in, in, our, in our own businesses. We have differences in, in opinions, etc. But we embrace those and it's about, you know, we had the, we had the whole you, yeah. you, you can go your own way thing, yeah, theme, yeah. theme at the, the last conference, didn't we? And it's just about empowering those people to give them all the decisions to make their own way. Mm. Um, who are we to tell you how to run your business? Yeah, strength and diversity. Absolutely. Um, this next question was submitted by uh, NMA editor Will Robbins. Uh, I know you took note <laughs> from uh, the wording. Uh, what are the skills that planners need? How can a young advisor learn how to become a savagely good financial planner? Um, Adam. Oh, why are you asking me that first? Um, well, I don't know what a savagely good financial planner is. Um, you know, everyone talks about putting clients first, but I think clients can tell the difference between when you actually put them first and when you put your agenda first. So I think mm -hmm. that's absolutely crucial. So when you, when you sit in front of a client, <clears throat> there's two things that I, I say. I basically say there's no agenda and there's no judgment. So I think that's really important for clients, but I'm getting better every day as a financial planner. I think the ability to learn from your experiences. So as a younger financial planner, the way I'm approaching things now is fundamentally different to when I started probably five or six years ago, and it changes all the time. Um, so it's, it's that always learning mentality. Can you give me an example of how there's something you're doing? Yeah, I, I, was, I was very guilty of following these scripts in the early day. Okay. Early days of, of, you know, people would come along and say, you need to talk like this and you need to ask these questions and you need to do it like this. Yeah, yeah and it, it's just, it just, it, it makes it such an uncomfortable environment for you and your client. So it's yeah. like, it's like sitting here today, I've got no, no script, I've got nothing really written down, I'm just going to answer authentically. Mm. Um, so I've definitely learned a lot in that sector of just, uh, sorry, in that experience of just being myself in the meetings. Mm. When you say there was no judgment, I mean, it, it, do you mean that if, a, say, a, a new client came to you and admitted in a kind of early planning meeting that at one point they had blown 60k on something stupid, that you wouldn't sit there and be like, oh, you're an idiot? Is, is that what that's about, about sort of saying, well, we're not here to, you know, judge your, you know, financial past, we're here just, you know, to help? Yeah, I mean, they'll never, they'll never get judgment from me, because who am I to, to judge the way that they've, you know, led their lives and then done the money and... You know, if they if they blew sixty thousand, that's happened. You know, I'm I'm here to to look at what's going to happen in the future, not not judge them on what their past has been. Is that fair, Rowan? Absolutely. I mean, I'd echo some of, of of what you've said there. It's that whole. I mean, what makes how can a young advisor become a savagely good planner? It's um, it's it is that always learning mentality, but it's also just looking back at your meetings from six months ago, and seeing what you did okay. well and what you did badly, and seeing how you've improved on that. So, I for example, I. Do a full recording of all my meetings, so audio? yeah, uh, audio and visual as well. Really? So, because um, quite a lot of my clients are online and that kind of thing, so yeah. you can do it quite quite easily through the software. And um, I always sit back and I go through a meeting from six six months ago, and you cringe, you do. Yeah. And I think the moment I'll stop advising is when I stop cringing, because yeah. that means that you've plateaued and you're staying still, and that's when it's time to go do something else. So. For me, it's just about constantly beating yourself up, actually, and that's the only way that you get better. 
Mm, that's so interesting. Um, either of you can answer this question. Is there a regional difference in the take-up for the next-gen sort of activities and, and meetings? Is, are there, if you had more members from the north or more from the south? Or? Yeah, we tend, we tend to have a lot in Bristol, don't we? Bristol seems to be yeah, a hot spot, the, the doesn't it? The Bristol yeah. Massive. Bristol Massive, yeah. Um, who, yeah I, th I think it's because they have, so we have like, roundtable events in like different regions and things and they have theirs in a quite a nice pub I think that might be what yeah. it is but um, London's obviously very popular Manchester very popular okay. those tend to be the three hotspots but it's um, all virtual isn't it but well so yeah so this is it I mean those are the actual physical ones but we have virtual roundtables every month now as well so we've got you know people from absolutely everywhere just logging in and mm. being there for it because by our very nature next gen you don't, you don't you don't need to be physically there to be able to gain value from something. Um, you and can this, see it the CPD recording. service is all virtual because we realise that people were losing a lot of time and money, you know, travelling to events mm. that they didn't really feel part of. So that was, you know, everything we build at NextGen is based on feedback. It's based on what our members are asking us to do. Mm. Okay. Um, there are other. It's a bit of a thornier question. Yeah. There are other industry efforts to sort of promote the next gen agenda. I know you're having a bit of a laugh on Twitter. Was it last week about uh, a body that shall remain unnamed, who's also called their sort oh, of yeah. uh, initiative next gen? Um, but I'm referring specifically to SJP, who have an academy for young advisors. Do you view that kind of thing as a threat? Not at all. So first of all. Anyone who's promoting any industry effort, efforts to promote the next-gen agenda is a good thing because there hasn't been any focus on it at all. What is it, the average age advisor, is it 58, 57, something like that? Um, there's never been a focus on it. You go to an event, there is no focus on it. It's all on exactly the same thing to fit the agenda of some of these guys, like exit strategies and whatever else. Um, so absolutely not. Um, I have to say here as well, I started at an SJP firm. Okay. Um, so I started as a, as I came out of uni and joined as a parapanner at an SJP firm. Before and you're, and you're him, proud of that. Helping set up an IFA. I tell you what, I am to an yeah. extent because so I'm, I may not agree with everything that SJP do, but you have to admire some of the stuff they do. And for example, marketing. There's so many lessons to be learned from their marketing. It's absolutely phenomenal. Why do you think they're as, as, as successful as they are? Mm. Um, some of their process mapping is superb as well. Some of the stuff, some of the some of the technical skills I learned when I was there were very good as well. I also picked up some bad habits, absolutely. Um, but I mean, if 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 SJP are promoting people into a profession that is essentially from the age thing, dying out, for want of a better phrase, and yeah. people just exiting, yeah. then that's great. I, I think, I think to, to, to go on to that as well, I think the old way is to view everything as a threat. Okay. So, so our, our view is, is nothing is really a threat, it's an opportunity. So you can, you can take these things and you, you can be negative about it or you can actually be positive about it and say, loads more people are coming into our profession, isn't that great for all of us? Mm. And there's the opportunity to, you know, th those SGP advisors that come through that system, they might not stay at SJP, you know, their entire lives. It's an opportunity for everyone, depending on you know what they choose to do, isn't it? Um, what is the best way into advice? On that note, we've got young people coming through academies like that with initiatives like yours. Um, is that, there can't be one perfect way to get into advice if you're a young person? But do you have any thoughts about you know better ways, worse ways? Uh, it's an interesting question, this because. 
I don't think anyone joins apart from potentially Rohan. Apart from Rohan, just no one joins this like industry or profession thinking they're going to be a financial advisor. It's kind of, it's kind of a job they've heard is okay, and once they're in it, they start learning things about anything. This is quite actually quite a job I'd like to do. So there's, there's different paths within our profession. So I think the problem is we're not we're not telling people outside our little bubble what we do mm. on a regular basis and that not that doesn't just affect clients it affects people that want to join our profession so every time you know we we recruit quite a few people at Zentum you ask them you know what is it you think we do and they don't they don't have a clue they've looked at your website which i think our website's pretty good they've they've read all sorts it's like well you advise really wealthy people don't you and it's like uh, yeah but it goes a bit it goes a bit beyond that we actually get involved in a lot more you know mm. detailed stuff so i think the problem is that if you're looking at recruitment and people coming into the um the, the profession we're really struggling to communicate what we do mm. yeah i i i'd sort of echo that I'd take it one step further as well so ollie let's say for example you you, I, I know how much you hate Will as your boss, anyway. So let, let, let's say that <laughs> Full let, let, let's say that you wanted to start a new career in accountancy or law or something, right? Yeah, that's definitely you what know, I'm you could. I know, I know. Or music. I know. Or music. Or whatever. Yeah, but so accountancy or law, for example, you you know that roughly you go and join a firm, do a three-year ACA, whatever it is. Yeah. And it's a training contract, and you know that that's the contract, that's the terms of it, etc. Same with law. You go into a law firm, you know what the outcomes are, you know what the path is, you pay for the contract via the company, whatever. Financial advice doesn't have that. Mm. So I know financial advice is always trying to level itself with accountancy and law and you know, see itself in a, as a, in a similar light as a profession. But just yeah. like Adam said, we're not seen like that outside of these four walls that we're in now. Mm. So... The only way that that really happens is if you create defined career contracts and defined career paths um, and promote those. And at the moment, because everybody has a different way of training people, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, um, I think there is something wrong with it. I think there's inconsistency. I think this is a problem about having a cottage industry. I think there's inconsistencies about the experiences that everyone gets going through their career. Okay. So I think it's a huge issue. Like okay. you, you talked about SJP before and their graduate scheme. As someone who's joining that, that company, you will know exactly what you're getting. You'll know your struts, you'll know when you'll be hitting your, you know, when you're allowed to advise, you'll, be know, you'll know what you're probably going to get paid at certain levels. And that for someone joining that firm, are you going to choose that or are you going to choose some, some, you know, one or two man band that said, come and work for me. And basically, they'll, they'll promise you the earth, but they'll be advising clients and not be able to give you the time and the structure yeah. and everything you need as a, as a trainee. Mm. You're gonna choose SJP every time. Mm. I'm just gonna throw in a, a question that I had late, long, um, later on the list, but I think it's quite relevant. You, you know, you said you interview people and they don't have a clue you know, what the business actually does. You both have young kids, right? You've got, mm -hmm. you know, I, they look about two, two three-ish from Twitter. Yeah. Not that I looked, but you know. Cute kids, by the way. Uh, if you had to describe your job to them, I mean, maybe you have, what would you say? Everything we do is based on niche marketing. So the way I communicate what I do is I look after the finances of creative and digital and technology business entrepreneurs. So when I talk about that, you know, it's, it's an outward message that I look after everything 
part, you know, yeah. of their finances. So that's what that's what I do. Yeah, very broad, very broad message that. But it's yeah. good. I mean, it's not you know you're not sort of getting into that kind of financial techno jargon that so many people find so off-putting. You know, and there are always complaints about. Yeah, complicated. Well, I, I would hope my four-year-old doesn't understand pensions till at least 30, <laughs> 30 plus. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, I, d I was thinking that you would say, you know, 16 straight away, be like, you're doing no, your GCSEs. I think, by the time she, I think by the time she's 16 and 18, you would hope something has been sorted on that mm. regard. Okay. Um, how would I describe that? Um, I like... I'd, I'd probably describe it the same way that I do to clients is that um, I help you use your money in the way that you want you want to use it yeah. and I'll hold you accountable to that um, whether that's you're spending too much money or whether you're not spending enough um, which is actually probably more common than the first one okay so yeah it's quite quite good fun in it helping people spend yeah. money <coughs> and giving them the peace of mind to do that because a perfect example was um client clients last night they've got loads in the bank but he's just he's just retired and suddenly a monthly income's not coming in and he's just not been spending yeah because he's like he hasn't got that anymore and it's taking that sort of it's almost like it's almost like teaching someone out to ride a bike and taking off the stabilizer and just yeah. going, go on um and he's he totally gets it now and but that is a great help. The, pr the problem is he, he probably is it a he yeah he, he probably wouldn't have got it unless he went through the process because it's such an intangible thing that we do that's mm. that's the difficulty of what we do is mm. you know every every relationship we have with a client it's like a different process it's like it's like almost it's never identical for me it's like a different emotions with money mm. it's an intangible thing and to communicate mm. that is very difficult. It can be very rational, I guess, if like some people have certain obsessions or they like to spend their money on, you know, cricket gear. Or we said this. We just had this discussion before. Yeah. I had a current Premier League footballer as a client for two months. That was it. He was a disaster, absolute disaster. Really? Um, I'm not going to obviously name names, but obviously. Um, but the stuff that he was doing and just completely ignoring him that, and I had to sack him. And um, it's you're absolutely right. Everybody's just very very different and it is every time you go into it's a completely blank piece of paper it's like an onion isn't it you've got to peel off all the layers mm. and then you've got to find out what that what's driving that individual in front of you our news editor charles will kill me if i don't ask what he was doing he's a football fan he's gonna to want to know can you give an example uh, yeah what? let's just say a certain type of cryptocurrency was uh, sneaking its, its oh, really? way into his portfolio Okay. Um, not not advised by me, but um, advised by friends in the dressing room. Okay. Um, so yeah. Bet he's lost some money recently. He may well have done. I don't know anymore. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Did you have to have a very difficult conversation with not him? Not really. No. Really? Wasn't difficult at all because um, I think he sort of understood as well that okay. he couldn't. Well, that I, I maybe, maybe it's failure on my part that I couldn't control him or he couldn't be controlled. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's that's amazing. Have you had any similar? Yeah, I've, I've had quite a few actually that, that, I mean, I don't mind saying it's Bitcoin, isn't it? So I've had people invest in Bitcoin, Ripple, all this nonsense. Really? Um, and I had one client probably about three months ago and she, she was looking to put like serious money in Bitcoin and she didn't, thank, thank, thank the Lord, uh, because she would have lost a serious amount of money from where we're sitting today. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's that mate in the pub, isn't it? It's the mate in the pub that says, why, why, do you, why don't you look at this? And um, 
someone's made load of, loads of money, we can all make loads of money. Yeah. It doesn't happen, does it? Yeah, the, the giddiness, the sort of, the excitement about the get rich quick. Have, have you got some Bitcoin, Ollie? I don't have any Bitcoin. Never have. Not even a bit of Ripple, bit of, no. no. Do you even know what it is? <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, know, you know that he's got a Bitcoin, right? You know that you know, yeah. Caroline's got a Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is a true story. Yeah. I, bought, I bought one Bitcoin, it was $100, and I watched it go, this is a psychological effect, I watched it go all the way up to nearly 20,000, and I think it's currently, and I've stopped looking at it, about, is it eight or 9,000 now? I haven't looked for weeks. But I, I just knew that clients were going to ask me about this, and I want, wanted to experience, you know, the the, the journey that really? it takes you on. So you 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 bought that quite recently? No, no, this was four four years ago. Okay, okay. It's, it's it's like a, it's on a hard drive. It's just so yeah. you, so you don't put it on an exchange. So the interesting thing is, you try and sell these things, and you try and do them through exchanges, and then you 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 Google. It's like exchange is hacked into in China. And like you think of trying to get your money out of these exchanges, it must be mental. Yeah. Wow. I, I know it's, it's something like, isn't it on a USB and you've got to put it in a computer and do something else and like it's proper old school, isn't it? And it's got to go through a yeah. broker overseas to get it. You've got to have it offline mm. on like some hard, like, um, you know, USB storage stick. That's where mine is. That's, that's so strange, isn't it? You know, to think that you actually have to have like a, a physical thing. In this day and age. And that, that's, yeah devilishly ironic. So there's a lesson for you. A lesson for me. I appreciate it. It's okay. <laughs> um, back to the question list. We've heard stories, put it that way, of advisors uh, uh, finding new employees from sort of next-gen groups. Um, do you think the employers of those employees uh, view next-gen as a bit of a kind of threat? They sort of think, oh, well, we don't want our staff to go there because they might sort of start organising themselves and uh, they might be really attracted to working with this sort of talented and energetic group of people. So we're not going to let them go I mean, because... Who's to say that that isn't what they think? I don't know. But um, I would say, so we, we, actively, we actually have a jobs board. So first of all, we have a jobs board, which members can post on for free. And directors of certain big companies, you know, people like... Capital have an advert mm. on there, don't they? Yeah. Uh, who else have got adverts on there? We've had nearly 15 so far placed. But we've had people place through that. and But these are all firms who've got their employees in, next gen, in the next-gen group as well. Um, so they're happy to put their employees on there and all the rest mm. of it. But the jobs board, you know, free for, for, for members to post on. Now, what I would say to employers about that is if you're scared of trying to develop your staff because you think they might go elsewhere, then the problem lies with you, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, if you can't hold on to your staff, then yeah. you're the problem. Yeah. Not the employee. Because you're not doing enough to retain them. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you retain your staff? Like, how? how what's the best way to? <laughs> I've only I've only hired two, but they haven't left yet, so I'm doing all right, aren't I? Um, it's been six months now, and they're still there. Um, I look after them. Um, so, I mean, so from 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 my perspective, the 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 two guys that I've hired um, come on as client services managers, so okay. general admin looking after clients, that kind of thing. But they're on quite strict two-year development plans, and they know month on month exactly what they're going to be doing. So like I talked about before with this training contract, mm. very similar to that. They know from month one to month 24 what they're going to be learning that month, what they're going to be doing. So it's all mapped out? All mapped out, and the idea is that by month 24, they're fully qualified, 
and not just point from a qualification perspective, but ready to go out and deliver some kind of advice. Mm. So that may not be, you know, big complex situations, but some kind of perhaps slightly simpler piece of advice. So they know where they're going to go. They know what the salary increases are. Yeah. They know everything. And we've got a five-year plan for the business. That's all shared with them. I'm, my way of doing it is being very inclusive. I share everything with, with, with my staff bar, bank details pretty much. Um, and I, I like to think I've, I have their buy-in. Mm. Adam, you're managing director of Zentum. Uh, some might say you're a very young managing director, particularly in, particularly in the advice sphere. 40, 35, yeah. yeah. So I'm on the way to 40. I'm actually, I'm actually not sure if I, you know, I think I might be kicked out of next gen fairly soon <laughs> because I had an email the other day from a, a financial advisor community and it said, it literally said 18 to 35 and I just turned 35. I was, I was massively offended. But maybe it's like rail cards that you can you can stay for, oh, yeah. you can stay until you're 36. It's like a two-year grace just. on rail cards, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just. So if, if maybe if you renew your membership yeah. at the end of being 35, yeah, you can yeah, stay yeah. for another couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, you'll have to clear it with Rohan. <laughs> no, that, there isn't an age thing in next year anyway. No. It's a mindset, my friend. Okay. <laughs> you're all right. As long as, you mind, as, long as, as long you, your mind stays in it. Yeah. Right. What was the question? <laughs> the que I guess the question was, um, is giving um, next-gen planners and young advisors kind of lots of responsibility um, fairly early on and trusting them with you know, financial planning and face-to-face um, -face advice, um, is that part of the answer to, sort of, to invest in young people in that way, to say, look, we're going to trust you with this? I, I think it, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting question. It's difficult because I agree with it and I disagree with it. So um, I think... Giving them responsibility over their own actions is important. Yeah. Giving them, so all our people are, are responsible of um, basically their own day. So when, we don't micromanage at Zentum. So they, we all have jobs to do and you get on with it and do it. And you know we're, we're a small team but growing. And, and if you can't do a job, you get found out fairly quickly by other team members, not me. Yeah. Um, but I think you also have to be structured in the way that you develop people. So our way of developing our planners is for them to be associate planners for probably two years. So an associate planner sits in on every client meeting where possible, mm. uh, drives the cash flow planning um, software, mm. takes meeting notes, um, does a debrief with the financial advisor. So it's almost like they've done the job mm. before they've stepped into the financial planning role. Um, and we're, we're, I mean, that's what I did. And that's what um, some of the guys that I work with did. And that's what the guys beneath me do so I think that's a good way of doing it mm. but they're still in charge of their own you know development mm. is that, if that makes sense yeah, yeah absolutely are you enjoying being an MD um, yeah I love it it's, it's, it's quite an interesting challenge um, so I, I've been you know involved with all the management stuff for quite a few time it's uh, quite a few years at Zentum I would say it, it comes with its challenges you know because I've been very lucky to have a uh, a founder who, you know, let me into every element of the business, a bit like your um, trainees are going through now. And that's great, but I don't think until you take on the responsibility, you don't, you don't appreciate what that role comes with. So everyone starts looking at you, everyone starts com coming to you with, you know, small issues and asking you questions, but I enjoy it, you know. Mm -hmm. But it, basically, we laid the culture of our firm probably three or four years ago. 
So it's been quite an easy transition for me culturally. Okay. I, th I think if I came into that firm, it'd be completely different. Mm, so if you were hired outright? Yeah, uh, but, but we have someone at NextGen who, who's done the same, and I think he's doing fairly well. I think it just, you have to fit the culture of that firm yeah. really strongly. But you, you, yeah, so you had a run-up. Well, I, I've been there for 10 years, so I know yeah. everyone that, that I'm working with. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Could you guys name, start with Rohan, one mistake that you've made in your career that you've learned from that, that sort of sticks with you? It doesn't have to be catastrophic, just memorable. Um, <laughs> it's probably a bit of a reveal, isn't it? I've taken jobs just for the sake of money in the past and just for the sake of it was a few extra grand and that kind of thing. Um, not really because I wanted the job, but because I wanted the money. Um, but I was young and naive and single and in London and you know yeah. life was um the world was my oyster wasn't it um and it's it I guess that it's just part of growing up actually and this is another part to all this is I don't want anyone out there who's listening to this who is just starting out in this you are not you're never going to be perfect at this you just you're not going to be I am far from perfect at any of this now I mean I'm still learning every single day and you will make some mistakes, but mistakes are massively underrated. You've got to make some mistakes. You've got to really beat yourself up sometimes and go, do you know what? Hold your hands up and go, that was wrong. I took, I took that job for all the wrong reasons um, and move on to something better. And you do need to make mistakes, so when they happen, just don't beat yourself up too much about them. Move on, keep going. Because um, like I always say to you, we always go, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. And not much. Not much, really. Uh, Adam, what about you? Anything um, that brings to mind? Uh, lots, lots of mistakes. I'm, I'm not very good at remembering. <laughs> so that's a real flaw of mine. Um, I think the big mistakes that I made early on was not charging enough for some clients and over-promising on what I was going to give some clients. So I, I see it as a massive flaw across a lot of next-gen advisors is because they're just keen to work with clients, they'll almost price low enough to get you know get the business get the client mm. it's a big mistake you mm. know it's a big mistake because then you're going to have to when you do all the work for a client you're going to have to then go back it in two three years and i've had to do this and up your fees it's a really difficult conversation mm. so it's almost so so what i've learned from that is i've almost kept upping my fees to where people say no because if people say no that's quite a good indication of mm. of getting your pricing just about right, because you get some that say yes and some that say no. Um, you see where clients are. So that, that was a, um, a big mistake early in the day, was not pricing enough, you know, because uh, it goes back to the managing director thing and not appreciating the cost of a business. Yeah, and if you don't do that as a kind of, you know, the head of a business or the owner of a business, then that's, that's not a good kind of message to anyone, is it? Yeah. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I totally agree with that. I did exactly the same thing. Priced myself way too low at the start. I'm always one for taking the positives out of the situation. The positives I got out of that situation were the fact that I was fairly new to advice and I was cutting my teeth with clients, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And I, like, I look back at those meetings now compared to what they are now. I'm yeah, actually you know, miles away. Um, so the positive to that was it was a good opportunity for me to cut my teeth with some clients that yeah. you know, perhaps I wouldn't take on now. So. I see. Pet peeves. We did speak about this earlier in the in the pre-podcast briefing. My, mine is anything to do with millennials. 
Um, as in the, the I, I, not, not labeling. Not, I mean the term. I mean yeah. just just the fact that marketers and just marketers and all this stuff. And you even have millennial experts now, all this kind of stuff, right? Who are literally, right, you, you get, and I am a millennial, okay? I'm doing my inverted commas here, for, I know we're through podcast ears. Um, and grouping people by the years that they popped out of their mother and assuming that they're all exactly the same is just horrific, it's awful. You know, we're all completely different, embrace our differences. Marketeers out there, market to me like I'm an individual, not like I'm part of some, you know, group of people that are all identical just because they were all born on the 29th of August, 1986. Um, yeah. I've had hundreds, hundreds of meetings with, say, millennial, and I'm putting my fingers up, um, clients. And I think one that I've come across has robo-advisor. Yeah. One account with a robo-advisor. Mm. I just, like, I just don't see it. Like, everyone has their own intricacies. Yeah. You know, everyone's different. And that's where you know financial planning, done by a human, can add value, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's the whole um, as well. What is it? So when all these, all the robos launched at the start and all that, all their target market was millennials, yeah. but it's all shifted now to their end because yeah. they've slowly, <laughs> slowly realised that actually that's one where all the assets kind of are uh, yeah, to an extent, yeah. but also the the fact that I'm gonna I'm gonna go see my parents tonight and I'll sit there and my dad will be on his iPad most of the evening. At, yeah. 60 what, what is he, 61 now whatever and you know it was just just it, it's because they've listened to some millennial marketeer <laughs> somewhere going these guys love tablets and phones and give them apps and all this <laughs> stuff um and just completely missed the point yeah pet peeve adam um apart from tomato ketchup sachets do explain that for the purposes of our listeners because yeah, they're just one. really annoying i mean we've we've just <laughs> been we've just been to nando's and it would ruin my experience if I didn't have a proper tomato ketchup bottle. Okay, so a bot. Okay, so not yeah. even like a little pot. No, and not even fake not tomato even ketchup. Less. That okay. that that annoys me as well. Really? Um, wow. But apart from that, crypto experts. Okay. You know, how can you be an expert in something that's existed for about three or four years, mm. and no one really understands it? So that I think that's where all the sharks are hanging out at the moment. Have you had any actual personal c encounters with? crypto experts where you've been able to give them peace of your mind? Well, I think there's a few knocking about. I'm not, I'm not going to say any names, but there's a few that have been on um, Sky News, for example, that, that what, what would that person know yeah, yeah. about cryptocurrency? It's just it, they've seen the next wave, they've jumped on it, and they're suddenly an expert. Do you guys, uh, are you guys keen to kind of make sure that the, um, I don't want to use too many strong medical analogies, but are you keen to avoid the, the kind of infection of kind of Bitcoin hysteria in the next gen group, you know, for really, really young? Well, there isn't no, any of it. No there's, I don't really. even think, it's, has it ever even been mentioned? No. I think I've mentioned it, but uh, part, apart yeah, from that, that's, it, that's it, Honestly, it's... Um, but this is exactly this is this is exactly it as well. These guys, um, the guys in the group, are all professionals. They're all wanting to be professionals. All the rest yeah. of it, the, and the amount of ethics and morality and everything that we share and have in common between ourselves, just means that nobody really. Yeah, talks I mean, about there's, a, there's so many impressive individuals within our community. I mean, I, I, I can think of so many names that just these guys. These guys are just they're just impressive. They just get better every day. They're willing to learn. You know, they they. Ignore the noise and all the nonsense, and like they're just, they're just, they're you know, I don't want a good analogy, but a lot of them are just rock stars, aren't they? It's just like they're gonna absolutely 
dominate this profession in the next few yeah, years. Good. Savagely good financial planners. That's exactly what they are. <laughs> you spoke briefly there about morality. Mm. That getting a very strong sense from you that the next gen group that they're they're kind of anchored in this uh, in this belief in what's right and wrong. Do you think that sets you guys apart? I don't know about that. But coming back to what you said, uh, you, you sort of mumbled something under your voice earlier on, which was, <laughs> which was when you were talking right at the start That's not like about that. skills and, of advice and stuff, and you went, yeah, you know, like, like you're telling yourself, be, be, be empathetic. And you, yeah. said, you said it as, you know, just like un, un, under your voice. Um, but imagine, I imagine having to sit in a meeting and go into yourself, be empathetic, be empathetic. Like, just care. Just like you shouldn't be. Yeah. You shouldn't have to tell yourself to be empathetic. Just care about the person in front of you. And I, I just get a great sense of our community that everyone gives a shit. That yeah. people care about the people that are in front of them. Yeah. And it's the it's the same as in most things in life. If you look after people, they'll look after you. And it, that, that's just that's the thing that I hammer home through the lads who work for me and yeah. that kind of stuff there's is a, a if we look after people it comes back in spades. I didn't want to swear like Rohan I was trying to be good but there's um <laughs> so, so one of our belief systems is um there's a book called Legacy mm. um and Legacy is about the all black team mm. and I always call it number sixes so yeah. number six on this in this book is no dickheads so your black team basically have this thing above their door that says no dickheads so no dickheads go into the the uh, changing rooms and they don't it doesn't enter their mm. um, basically their whole sort of support structure and I think we've got that next gen mm. like, I honestly think like there's no one that I would think doesn't belong mm. and I think if, if they if they came into our community it's almost a self-policing community yeah. they'd, they'd quickly exit yeah they'd be, they'd be found out yeah. that's a fantastic note on which to end uh, guys thank you so much for being with us um, that's great stuff. Um, it's just about all that we've got time for this week, I'm afraid. Um, so thanks to Rohan and Adam for coming all the way to see us, especially in the rain. Great to have you guys on. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the Anime Podcast by looking us up on iTunes. And if you like what we do, please do leave us a lovely review. And you can follow our podcast updates on Twitter. The handle is at Advisor. Thanks, and see you again next week. Mm-hmm.